the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now, seven minutes past the clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to I hit something real quick um, before we go to phone calls. Uh, and this, by the way, is a Monday. It's the 18th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. J.D. Vance coming up at 1035. I want to hit something. Um, did you catch uh, Dr. Fraudchi uh, on TV yesterday? Dr. Anthony Fauci, the premier epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist in the country, we are told, despite his incredibly poor performance in such a role. Dr. Uh, Fraudchi, sorry, I can't resist that sometimes, was on with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday. And Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked by Chris Wallace, why do you think people don't like you? You're supposed to be the best there is. You're supposed to be guiding us out of this pandemic. You're the guy that's got all the answers. Why do people not like you? And I want you to listen to one of the most narcissistic, egotistical um, SOBs ever to have the misfortune of of crossing in front of my eyes and uh, into my ears. I want you to listen to how he responds to that question. When this pandemic started, I think it's fair to say you were the generally regarded as the authority on infectious disease. But as time has gone on, you have become a polarizing figure. Critics accuse you of uh, sending mixed messages. There's allegations that that you help fund dangerous research at the Wuhan lab. Two questions. Why do you think you've become so controversial? And honestly, do you think there's anything you have done that has contributed to that? Well, I'm not so sure I could answer the latter because I can't think of anything, but I'm sure some people will. 
But, you know, Chris, I have stood for always making science, data, and evidence be what we guide ourselves by. And I think people who feel differently, who have conspiracy theories, who deny reality that's looking them straight in the eye, those are people that don't particularly care for me. I have, I have stop stood that right for there. always... Let's stop that right there. There it is. The only people that don't like me, according to Dr. Fauci, are people who are conspiracy theorists, people who ignore the truth that's staring them right in the eye, people that are anti-science. Those are the only people that don't like me. Listen again. I have stood for always making science, data, and evidence be what we guide ourselves by. And I think people who feel differently, who have conspiracy theories, who deny reality that's looking them straight in the eye, those are people that don't particularly care for me. And that's understandable, because what I do, and I try very hard, is to be guided by the truth. And sometimes the truth becomes inconvenient for some people all right it's um it's a staggering thing almost every time this man opens his mouth um because you don't know which side he is going to take in a given issue regarding COVID 19 and regarding you know the pandemic and so forth but also because of the blatant lies that that come out every time he opens it it's just he literally said, I remember this is the same guy who said uh, a couple of months ago that he is science. He is the personification of science. He said, anybody that doesn't like me just doesn't like science. Remember that? Anybody that doesn't like me just doesn't believe, or believe in me doesn't believe in science. He is the personification of science. And now he said that people who have conspiracy theories and deny reality, those are the people that don't care for me. Because I always come from a place of science and reality and truth. If he came from a place of science and reality and truth, he would be announcing on national television every interview that he gets that if you have natural immunity, if you have natural antibodies after recovering from COVID-19, as 99.9% of you have who have had it, you recovered, the mortality rate still stands at less than 1%. Absent other comorbidities. But he would tell everybody in every one of these interviews, if you have already had COVID-19 and you recovered from it, your natural immunity makes you completely um, ineligible for the vaccine. You have no need of the vaccine because you are in a stronger uh, 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 immunization place or have a stronger and more robust immunization than this than those who are pushing the profit shots would possibly be able to give you. I mean, quite literally. He says he's for the science, and yet, when the Israeli study comes out showing 27 times more immunity than with the profit shots from these big pharma companies, he, he won't acknowledge it. No, that science doesn't count. What about the other 50? studies that independently corroborate and show the same thing. Well, that science doesn't count. How can he stand there and tell us he's for truth and science? And the only people who don't, don't like me are the people that find the truth to be very inconvenient. What's the truth when you refuse to give us all of the information? You silence other people. When doctors from Johns Hopkins University, doctors and medical uh, 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 profe- or not professionals, uh, professors, med school professors, 
tell their students and tell the public that natural immunity is better than profit shot immunity. Why do you cancel him? Why do you ignore people like that if you're so for science? This is the problem. And lastly, I've got to get this out, and I'm so sorry I've got to keep dragging this guy. But I will continue to drag him from one end of this uh, spectrum to the other as long as he's going to continue to, to, be, to be a communist and to promote communist ideals and to tell us that we must sacrifice our own personal liberties for the good, as he sees it, of the state. You have got to look at it and say there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. There's no doubt that that's the case. And he wants to know why people don't like him, or he says it's because people don't like conspiracy theories, or people who believe in conspiracy theories, rather, uh, don't like his science. How about the fact that people may not like being told to give up their God-given rights to medical freedom, the freedom to do with their bodies what they want. How about that? How about how about the fact that you are telling people to be slaves of the state? That you are telling people to just be plebes, to, to just wait for the state to tell you what to do and when to do it and to take, take, take as much as they tell you to take and don't take any more, whatever the case might be. Maybe that's why people don't like you and why people don't trust you or Joe Biden, let's go Brandon, or anybody else that is pushing this mandatory profit shot upon us. Okay, Tom is in Medina. Thanks for your patience, Tom. I had to monologue a little bit there, but you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hello, Tom. Can you hear me, Tom? Hello. Hello, Bob. Yes, Tom, go ahead. I want to say something about what Jim Jordan said about the... uh, the oversight committee, what she said about, well, you probably heard that they, the news media said there was more vice votes for Biden and the, when they did the, the recount, but that was all they did was recount pieces of paper. And, and a lot of those pieces of paper are counterfeit documents or, or, you know, it, I don't you call them fraudulent mail-in votes, thousands of those. That's, but that's what the media comes out with. The other thing I wanted to say is, in that Arizona election, do you remember the judge ordered uh, the Board of Elections to turn over the, all the equipment for the election? And yeah. one of the things was the router. The router. Well, I, I, I follow that guy that was in charge of kind of like the, the technology behind the, the audit. Well, um, he, he has... Uh, documentation out of the dominion uh manual that says the county must provide a router with an external internet address on it that they have to provide that in other words it's not part of the that part is not part of the dominion machine itself the internet access but it's provided by the county so that's how they get the you know to the perpetrate that was that's the right word the the big lie that our machines are not on the internet that's a lie and the other thing is do you ever hear of the poll pads that all that are the, each no. precinct has a poll pad no did you know that no well they do you, you there's a there's a poll pad that has internet access and all the all those poll pads throughout i don't know if it's throughout um the whole the state or the whole county 
they they all they all they all can um, work together as a mesh network, and that's part of the being on the network thing, the mesh network thing. So that's the big lie that needs to come out about those machines and and their internet connectivity. Because I okay. I've heard Frank LaRose I've heard Frank LaRose say many times I I heard him on two different stations. Yours was one. Our machines are not on the internet, Ohio's, and that's not true. That's a lie. How are we going to get to the bottom of that? Well, that's a very good question. I appreciate the call, Tom. Thanks very much. Um, that is something that Frank LaRose should address. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, like I said, I, I did talk to him. I did not question him on that particular part of this whole thing. But if it is provable that he's lying, he needs to be called out for it. I don't have evidence of that at this moment in time. If I get evidence of that, I would certainly ask him back on to, to uh, answer that question. If the, uh, if our election machines are, are online or not or on the internet, uh, internet or not, I would certainly like to know that and i would like to know why he's passing spreading misinformation if that's the case like i said i don't have all of that information i'm kind of going by what you just said um but i did not see all of that or hear all of that so uh if that is something that we can uh gather up and be provable as a fact it's something that i would certainly want to ask frank larose about again uh thank you my friend uh gary's in olmstead falls next gary you're on the air go right ahead hey bob a couple of things i don't know if you're uh aware of um uh, recent articles talking about Paul Ryan and Rance Priebus who uh, are doing everything to stop the audit uh, for President Trump up in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, the words from Paul Ryan are, he lost, and uh, and that's just the way it is. And so, um, you know, we always knew he was a rhino. Now you guys. Well, he was more than a rhino. He was essentially a never Trumper right from the start, too. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. Now you got this Kevin McCarthy, okay, who's the clone of Paul Ryan. If you would please ask uh, Congressman Jordan next time. uh, You know, is this guy really going to be the next Speaker of the House? Because what a mistake that would be. Jim Jordan needs to be running for Speaker of the House. He's got seven point nine million dollars in his kitty. I mean, he can bring some, you know, bring some of these new people along, and uh, and it'll and never happen. It it'll, it'll never happen. I'm just going to tell you point okay. blank: it'll never happen. That's not to suggest I wouldn't like it. Of course, I would. I think. I mean, Jim Jordan is one of my very favorite members of Congress, not just because he's my representative in in District Four, but because of what he does on a regular basis to argue on behalf of the American people and the Constitution. But he one is. A, hold on, hold on. He is a niche. He is a niche. Uh, member of Congress. He represents, you know, the Freedom uh, Caucus, for example, which is only about 35, 40 strong out of hundreds of, of Republicans in the Congress. Um, he's going to have the support of the true conservatives, which is great, but he's not going to have the support of the vast majority of moderate rhinos. Kevin McCarthy is going to have the moderate rhinos, and there are far more of them. So get ready for it. It's going to be if and you know if God willing the election is fair and we do take back the House of Representatives next November, uh, it's going to be Kevin McCarthy. I don't think he's quite as bad as Paul Ryan personally. He's much closer to Ryan than he is to uh, to Jordan. But I don't think he's a clone, as you said. I think he's you know in this cut from the same cloth. But it is going to be him, and we're going to have to hope Holy. that he listens to more of the conservatives than than Paul Ryan ever did. But to get a guy like Jim Jordan yeah. as a speaker is almost impossible. He had a momentary turn against uh, President Trump, and uh, so I'll, and I'll leave it there. But one one other thing, is I wanted to see if you could get uh, Marcy to get this guy uh, 
uh, J.R. Majewski. He's running against Marcy Kaptur. Are you familiar with him at all? Uh, just the name. Just the name. I don't know a ton yeah, about him. Yeah, and I just know that everybody who goes against Marcy Kaptur just wilts and dies because she's just, I, she's she's embedded there. I know, but he's got an impressive background and very impressive background. And if, you, if, if there's a chance of getting him on the... Uh, uh, station with you, Bob. Please, okay. you know. Well, you know what? I'm always can. willing to talk to good candidates. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Marcy Kaptur, particularly, you know, in Lucas County and in uh, Northwest Ohio, where she is from, she has just been there for what? How many times has she been elected? 15, 16, 17 times? Isn't she 32, 33, 34, somewhere years uh, in Congress? She is just a staple, and it's very, very hard until she resigns to to remove her. That doesn't mean I wouldn't support or talk to somebody who wants to challenge her, but um, it's tough. It's a tough road to hoe, no question about it. All right, thank you for the call. We'll take a quick time out and come right back on AM 1420 The Answer. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 1026, let's go back to the phones. Don't forget J.D. Vance coming up after the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk more about this Senate race. We'll get his thoughts on a couple of things that I think everybody in the Senate should have a, a view on. So we'll see what he thinks. Uh, let's go to Cheryl. Is it Cheryl? Yeah, it's Cheryl in Hudson. Cheryl, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Yes, good morning, France. Um, good morning. I live in Hudson. I'm a resident, and I have a daughter who just graduated. And I'm uh, calling about the infamous book, 642 Things to Write About. I'll be brief. I have the book. I've looked at each and every page. The darkness of the material is overwhelming. I'll give you an example. Quote, go through a day saying yes to every impulse and offer. If you are not physically restrained, write about the experience and where you end up. Wow. That's a very small taste of the most. Oh, I know. I've, I've read several of those. You've I've, I've read several okay, of the prompts there, but not that. that one. But not that one. That was it. Okay. Because, you know, like the ones about, uh, you know, write an X-rated Disney scene, have the characters you know having what? sex with each I, other, and all of these kinds of he, things. It's I'm unbelievable. Gonna, that is disturbing. Yes, but I'm going to be honest with you. What is clearly disturbing are prompts such as these, which are anti-virtue, anti-spiritual, and very dark in nature. They bring out the gutter worst of a child's emotions. Okay. Well, well, there's there's a reason for that. It's not just for kicks. I'm sure you realize that. You know why they're doing this, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is what is frustrating. I talked to a school board member, the treasurer, a day or two before the last school board meet, well, before the school board meeting, the end of September. I spoke to him for 20 minutes, and I wanted to come to the meeting. And, and, and sometimes, you know, they don't let you speak because they have their own agenda. Sure. And I said, I'm hoping to be able to speak. The short of it is, he said, well, you know, you can come. But, you know, you're probably not going to get a chance because the superintendent is going to be speaking on COVID, which didn't surprise me. So I trusted that. I come to find out that it was either the day or two after I spoke to this treasurer of the school board Mm -hmm. that the meeting was so packed 
that they had to use the auditorium. They generally use the um, media room for their right. school board meetings. And it was all rah-rah, Hudson School Board, Hudson Schools. There were there were a multitude of parents who had white on, I guess, which shows support. So this was all pre-planned. Right. So I trust no one in that school board. I, 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 I am so spent, and I am trying to find out the consequences that this teacher, superintendent, whomever is responsible, as I said to the treasurer, let's get to the truth of the matter. Well, let me say this. I, I, you know, I, I, I doubt very seriously, and thank you for the call, Cheryl. I doubt very seriously there's going to be any significant consequence to the teacher. Uh, unless the teacher assigned any of those really, really dark and, as you say, you know, the, the very disturbing prompts, unless the teacher assigned them, the teacher will probably get, you know, get by maybe with a reprimand just for choosing that book to be used. But the board is, is the real issue here. Because the board has to greenlight curricula. And if the board greenlit that particular curricula, well, I remember what the mayor said, you know, be prepared uh, to be charged. Now, they're not going to be charged, but they need to be held accountable by being removed from that school board. And not just Hudson's. This is going on and maybe not necessarily the same exact manner with the same exact book. But obviously in schools and districts all across Northeast Ohio, which is why we're spending so much time on our radio program and at events that I attend talking about the need to replace these boards and for parents to be involved in exactly what their kids are learning in school. Cheryl, thank you for sounding the alarm again. I know a lot of people are aware of that, but we need to stay on top of it, and we will. News time now, and on the flip, we will talk to J.D. Vance once again as we continue our merry-go-round of candidates. Uh, It's back to J.D. Vance now to talk about what's going on in the United States Senate. That'll be coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. Giving woke America. A wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority, on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward, 1037, thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Time to get back on the merry-go-round. This time it's going to land on uh, merry-go-round or Wheel of Fortune. I don't know which is the better analogy here, but I feel like it because we just kind of keep going from candidate to candidate to candidate, back and back and back. We did Bernie Moreno two weeks ago. We did Mike Gibbons last week. We did Matt Dolan on Friday, and now it's back to J.D. Vance's turn. I know Josh Mandel is going to be coming up soon as well as we continue uh, talking about the great Republican primary in the uh, Senate race to replace Rob Portman. J.D. Vance joins us now. On AM 1420, The Answer. J.D., good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, good to talk to you as always. Boy, this is uh, this is really a crowded field. And you finally got together, not all, but most of you on one stage this past Thursday night. wanted to ask you how you think that went. And um, I know there's going to be uh, three more of them. One of them is going to be here. I'm going to co-moderate with Jack Windsor up in Northeast Ohio. It's going to be in Strongsville. But um, how are you feeling about the race, and how did you like getting all of the uh, faces together almost on one stage? Yeah, you know, I feel like the race is going well. We, we we had a really good fundraising quarter. I think we led the field, um, and I'm you know most proud of the fact that we had a lot of small dollars. Uh, you know, a lot of just middle class people donating to the campaign. 
Uh, that feels good. Feels like the numbers are going in the right direction for us. So, you know, definitely feels like we've got a lot of momentum. It's early, of course. And, you know, the, the event in Versailles was fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was good for everybody to get an opportunity to speak. And I certainly felt like we made some, made some good points, but it's, it's kind of crazy. We're going to, you know, to your point, we're going to have a few more of these. And I think people will get a really good impression of what all of us stand for, where the meaningful differences are. And, uh, you know, it was fun to get the first one under our belt. Let's talk about some of the issues uh, that are going on in the uh, United States Senate right now. And, and this one actually isn't in the Senate, uh, J.D., although I'll come to that in a minute. I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, the fact that the National School Boards Association could have as much power as they do to write a letter based, by the way, on a lie with respect to a situation with a parent who was upset in Loudoun County, Virginia, about his daughter being raped by a boy wearing a skirt in the trans-friendly bathrooms in their schools. They write this letter to Joe Biden, and within a day, Joe Biden has Merrick Garland, the, uh, Garland, the attorney general, ordering the FBI to start investigating parents that, quote, either intimidate, harass, or make threats of violence against school board members because concerned parents, well, don't like their children being assaulted and also don't like the uh, extraordinarily racially divisive destructive mythology that is critical race theory uh, impacting their kids. Give me your thoughts, J.D., on how this government could be this out of control that an NGO, a non-government entity or organization like the National School Boards Association can have this much say uh, in dictating to the federal government, executive branch, what they do. Yeah. Well, you know, I've called for uh, Attorney General Garland to resign because I think it's a disaster. He's basically weaponizing the people's own government against them as they try to participate in one of our most fundamental democratic rights, which is self-government at the local level. So I... I think it's really disgusting what the attorney general did. But, you know, look, I think it reveals how power actually works in the left. And unfortunately, power, how it works in our society, where, you you know, the, the, the government, its separation from some of these NGOs and even from some of the big tech companies in the private sector, like they're really not that distinct. I think on the right, you know, we have the private sector over here, the nonprofit sector over here, and the government sector over here. And what the left has basically done is put all these institutions on the same page. And so, you know, you can't have, a, a, an NGO, a, a government, you know, sort of, or, or at least a teacher's union affiliated organization that right. goes to the attorney general, tattles on our fellow citizens, and then has the attorney general use the FBI against those fellow citizens, which I think the real purpose here, of course, is to silence the sense of trying to shut people up, trying to use the FBI to scare people away from speaking their mind. That, that's what this is about. But I, I think it reveals something very corrupt about our society. The left is very willing to use power. They're very, very willing to combine these different entities into a, 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 a ruling class regime that basically makes it hard for Americans to live their lives. Yeah, um, I think that's that's accurate, and uh, I'm just I'm stunned, and I'm and I'm amazed, and I'm frightened, quite frankly. And by the way, that I talked to uh, Jim Jordan about this an hour ago. Um, the mainstream media is is refusing to acknowledge the reality of what you just described. Uh, Glenn Kessler, which is a Washington Post fact checker, wrote a piece for the Post over the weekend that said all of these right wing parents complaining that they're being targeted by the FBI, or essentially, or that we're making it up, that that we're not being targeted. Only those who intimidate, harass, and threaten are making it up. Meanwhile, as you know. Those terms are wholly undefined. A hara- what does harassment mean? If I ask a question twice, I repeat it. Does that mean I harassed you over it? If I ask it in a louder voice than a, than a whisper, does that mean I intimidated you over it? That the the, the left the left 
excuse me, the left-wing media, J.D. Vance, uh, is continuing to carry the water here and continuing to demonize the so-called right-wing uh, domestic terrorist parents who simply want their kids to go to school to learn and not be indoctrinated. Yeah, of course, who just cast their right for you? mentioned the Washington Post, who owns the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, who benefits from fat government contracts, uh, the companies that Jeff Bezos owns. I mean, the merry-go-round goes around and around, and all yeah. of these institutions have basically ganged up and use the power of the federal government to gang up on normal Americans. I mean, my God, this is, this is, our founding fathers loved about our country that American citizens were engaged in self-government at the local level. You know, the famous Rockwell painting of a guy standing up and speaking his mind. This is the proudest tradition of our civic republicanism. And the Attorney General of the United States, with his allies in the media, with his allies at the teachers' unions, is basically going to war against these people. This is really gross stuff. And, and to me, the question is, what are we going to do about it? When we get the Senate back, when we get the House back, are we going to complain about this stuff? Are we going to investigate the people who are doing it? Are we going to make them suffer consequences for weaponizing the people's government against them? That, to me, is the big question and one of the big dividing lines in our party right now. It can't just complain about this stuff anymore. The left is willing to use power. We've got to push back against it or we're going to lose. Let's talk about um, the economy. Let's talk about uh, how businesses are going to survive. Um, this is going to be something you'll inherit, perhaps, if you uh, if you win in 2022, because um, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of uh, the Transportation, said this is going to continue. The supply chain disruption that we're dealing with right now is going to continue into 2022, perhaps into 2023. Um, how are businesses and how is this economy going to survive in your opinion, J.D. Vance, if businesses can't, don't have products on their shelves to sell, uh, I was, again, I was talking to Congressman Jordan, how many businesses made it by the skin of their teeth and didn't have to close their doors during the lockout period of the pandemic in which only uh, essential businesses were allowed to remain open? So many went under for good, and the ones who survived by the skin of their teeth, now they're, now they're facing another. It's not a lockout. It's just a product shortage. They don't have anything to sell. How is that going to impact the overall economy, in your opinion? Oh, it's going to slam us, and it already is starting to slam us. I think, unfortunately, we're, we're gearing up for a blue Christmas in this country where a lot of middle-class people can't buy the things that they need. A lot of businesses can't supply their customers with what they need, and, and frankly, a lot of goods. I mean, you could have a, a winter in Ohio, and I know you know Cleveland's a little bit colder than Columbus, but it's plenty cold in both places uh, in, in, in January. I'm sorry, I mentioned Columbus, because that's where, where I am today. Um, but, you know, the... Home heating oil prices in this country could very well be up by 60% this winter. That's going to make it impossible for a lot of people to heat their homes. This is what happens, I'm sorry to say, when you build a fake economy around dependence on China and Mexico and countries that hate you instead of real self-sufficiency, instead of real prosperity. And of course, what is Biden proposing to do about this? He's proposing to borrow another $3.5 trillion from the next generation and from the Chinese throw more gasoline on the fire, and you say, well, what, what are we going to buy with those $3.5 billion? We're going to buy goods and services uh, that are made in China, which means we're going to stimulate the Chinese economy. We're going to drive inflation even higher, hurting our middle-class people even more. And to your point, our businesses are going to suffer from this because they don't have the things to even supply. Uh, our local small businesses, our national businesses, they don't have the things to, to supply people because we've built this fake economy around dependence on China. It, I mean, this is the chickens coming home to roost. I hate to say it. This is 30, 40 years of bad policy uh, that's made us a dependent nation coming home to roost. 
and I, I, I hope to God that we can get through it as well as we can. Uh, th- you know, thank God we had four years of finally trying to turn the ship around and make our economy more dependent on ourselves. Uh, but that's unfortunately going in the wrong direction over the past nine months, and I fear we're going to get even worse over the next three years. How do we do that then, J.D. Vance? What's your solution? Let's pretend you're sitting in the United States Senate and we're dealing with all of these businesses that have been crushed by this uh, inability to stock their shelves with foreign products. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, and I'm one of them saying, why do we need to stock their shelves with foreign products? Why don't we incentivize in some way, shape, or form more and more American pro- uh, production of these very same things that are sitting in those cargo containers on those ships uh, sitting outside all of these ports right now? Why don't we do it here? What can be done if if you're in the Senate, what proposal would you make in order to incentivize or uh, you know, make it possible for American companies to produce similarly priced goods that we import from all these other countries? You know, I, think it's, I think it's carrots and sticks, Bob. You're absolutely right. This is not an iron law of economics that we have to depend on the Chinese for all of our critical stuff. I think, you know, first, we have, to, we have to make it cheaper and easier for people to manufacture and make things here in the United States. You may well know this. A lot of your listeners may not know that a, that a middle-sized Cleveland or Middletown or, or Columbus manufacturer pays a higher tax rate than Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon. That is a disaster. Uh, that makes it harder to make things in our own country. Uh, that's got to stop. We've got to change that policy. I think we've, we've got to use the stick, too. For some of these multinational corporations that have decided they're going to get rich off of Chinese slave labor, we've got to say to them, you're going to pay a penalty for reimporting those goods into the United States because that will induce more people to build more of their stuff in the United States. It's going to make our economy much more self-sufficient and much more strong over the long term. I think we've got to do both of those things uh, and accept that we're going to face some consequences over the next year because of very, very bad policy. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask also about the corporate tax rate. That's something else that the Democrats want to do. They want to raise that corporate tax rate from, what, 22 23% to 28 29%. I mean, again, how's that going to incentivize American companies to stay in America rather than export those jobs overseas, build this stuff somewhere else uh, where the labor is so much cheaper? Well, it's not. Uh, it's certainly going to induce people uh, to make more and more things overseas. And, and I, I always notice that when I look at the details of the Democrats' tax proposals, uh, they somehow always fall on our manufacturers, on our energy makers, on our transportation and logistics companies. Uh, they're, they're not going to raise the tax rate of Apple, which pays probably an 8% tax rate, far lower than any manufacturer in the state of Ohio. They're not going to raise their taxes. They're going to raise the taxes on the people who are making goods we need, on the people who are employing good middle-class workers. And that is the game the Democrats play. The big companies get richer and more powerful. The manufacturers and the middle class in our own state gets weaker and poorer. That's the game they play. We've got to push back against it. Last thing we'll ask you this time around, J.D. Vance, and I appreciate your time. Is um, I was telling uh, uh, the audience earlier, my wife's got friends who went on vacation to Cancun, went to a resort down there, did not have to have a shot, did not have to have a passport, did not even have to show a negative test to go to Cancun. But to come back to the United States, they had to do exactly that. To come back in as American mm-hmm. citizens, they had to show either a passport or a negative test within the last 72 hours. Yet, across our southern border, stream tens of thousands a day, uh, hundreds of thousands a month of people who don't have to show any such things. So if you want to come to this country from Mexico or through Mexico from another uh, uh, origin, uh, you can do so without any concerns whatsoever about your health. But if you want to come back from vacation, you doggone well better show that you don't have COVID-19. Explain that to me. 
Yeah, you should have told your wife just to drive up to Yuma. She could have walked right across and maybe saved some money on a paint trip too. <laughs> I, this is I can't I can't explain it to you. This is the problem is that we basically have an administration that's making American citizens second class people in their own country. Uh, meanwhile, like you said, illegal aliens, people who don't care about this country's laws, are walking in without any vaccine mandates, without any uh, evidence that they're free of COVID. Uh, it, it's just a disaster. And I, I will say that I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, actually, when I see what's happening with Southwest Airlines, when I see you know American workers across the country refusing these vaccine mandates. You know, there's still a lot of fight left in this country. There's still a lot that we can do. And you may remember I called for noncompliance of the vaccine mandates a couple of months ago. And it seems like people all across the country, not because I called for it, but because they're looking out for themselves, have decided to make their own medical decisions for their own bodies. i got to say, it makes me optimistic about the future. Well, you know what? You just struck a chord with me because uh, I'm selling my T-shirts because I coined a phrase on the air last well about two weeks ago now. Uh, they don't want science. They want compliance. I'm selling T-shirts right now, and people are loving them. It is not about science. They don't have science on their side. They only want compliance. And the most frustrating thing about that, J.D. Vance, to me, is the fact that uh, uh, they refuse to acknowledge the science of, of natural immunity. I mean, literally yeah. millions and millions of Americans have far more robust natural immunity from their own antibodies after surviving COVID than they ever could get from one of the big pharma profit shots, and they refuse to acknowledge that immunity. And then yet they call themselves the party of science. Yeah, well, natural immunity doesn't make big pharma any money, and so that's why you're not allowed to talk about it. Bingo. That is exactly right. That's why we're having an ant- antibodies party this uh, Thursday in Lakewood. I don't know if you're going to be in Northeast Ohio then. I'm inviting every Senate candidate that wants to come by and talk to a few hundred people at our antibodies party this coming Thursday in Lakewood. So uh, if, you, uh, if you're interested, let your, uh, one, of your, one of your handlers or peeps uh, tell them to reach out to me. I'll give you the details, but uh, we'd love for you to stop by. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you, J.D. Vance. Uh, J.D. Vance is a candidate for that Senate seat, obviously, a whole bunch of them. I meant that, by the way. I'm going to invite Bernie Moreno and Mike Gibbons and Mark Bukita and uh, blah, blah, blah. Who else? And Matt Dolan and uh, uh, Josh Mandel. I'm going to invite them all. Not to speak. It's not going to be a political event, but if they just want to come together and have a, be a part of our party, our antibodies party, and show their support for natural immunity and the, uh, uh, the fact that we do not have a need for vaccines if we're naturally immune, they are all welcome to come, and perhaps you can interact with them and make your mind up about your vote in that primary. I'll tell you more about that after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1056, final segment is always a short one, but I want to use it to uh, promote once again what I've been promising you for a couple of months now, and that is a party to celebrate our natural immunity. The antibodies party is set. We will be gathering this Thursday at the Avenue Tap House in uh, in uh, Lakewood on Detroit. And we're going to be there. Doors open about 630. Uh, the Browns game is going to be on the big screen if you still watch the woke NFL uh, it'll be there, and I think that game starts around 8.20, uh, but I'll be giving a little bit of a speech. We're going to play some games. We're going to have some uh, sideboards, raising money for uh, uh, charity, uh, and we're going to celebrate our immunity. 
Well, 50-50 as well when you get there. There's great food. They're going to have drink specials for us. It's just a great... This is this is just a Bob event, by the way. This is not a station event. This is a Bob France antibodies event. I have natural immunity, and I have no need for any of those big pharma profit shots, no matter what Joe Biden wants to mandate. And if you have natural immunity, neither do you. Let's get together and tell those who deny the science what the truth is. Let's not just let's not just talk about it. Let's let's come together. Let's make a lot of noise about it. Let's share it on our socials. Put it all over the place. And by the way, if you don't have one yet, what I would love to see is an entire room full of people, a few hundred strong if we can do it. The more of us there are, the more money we can raise by the way for charity for charity. Um but I would love to see as many Black T-shirts, they don't want science, they want compliance in that room as possible. Because that's what it's about. They're ignoring the science that is your natural immunity and mine. And they just want compliance. Take the shot anyway and shut up. That's their message to you and me. And I want to push back, and I want to do it together. So this Thursday uh, at the Avenue Tap House in Lakewood, I hope you can join me. And by the way, if you don't have one of those T-shirts yet, you can get it. By calling the radio station, ask for Marcy. Marcy will give you give me all of your information. We'll get your size. We'll get your uh, shipping address, and we'll get one mailed right out to you as quickly as we can. Um, so, by all means, let's let's not just share the truth. Let's wear the truth, and that's what the they don't want science. They want compliance. T-shirt is all about, and I hope to see a ton of them on Thursday in Lakewood. All right, tomorrow on the program, as always, Peter Kersenow will be with us, so make sure that you tune in for that. Peter has written a great uh, piece on uh, CRT and teacher training. We're going to talk to him about that, and I hope to talk to you as well. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.